Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the past executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. This week, we're joined by Charlie Mars, a singer-songwriter from Mississippi. We're talking about his new album and tour coming up. It's called Times Have Changed. It will also include a show at Dueling Hall in Jackson, Mississippi on October 12th. And the full album will be released on October 6th. So welcome to the show, Charlie. Nice to be back here at MPB. Yeah, so we were talking a little bit before, and you've been you've been on the show before, many years ago. I have been at least once, maybe twice, but I can't remember. That's but, great. Yeah, it was Malcolm White was the was hanging out here, and now you are. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you back. So uh, excited to get into your album, your new album, in just a little bit, and talk about your tour. But first, let's go back to I want to hear more about what it was like growing up in Mississippi and where you grew up. I grew up in uh, my hometown. It was Laurel, Mississippi, and uh, it was a wonderful place to grow up. Uh, you know, I rode my skateboard to school, and uh, there was there was it was a small, you know, kind of a it had some Mayberry qualities, where everybody kind of knew everybody and. When you got home from school, you'd throw your backpack in the kitchen and then you'd be gone until the sun went down and playing in the woods with your friends and riding bikes, you know, all over town. And so, I don't know, it was a different time when I was growing up. I mean, as far as just the level of freedom that, uh, you know, we would ride bikes and jump over like large buildings with no helmet. And, <laughs> you know, it was different back then, you know, right. now it's, uh, I think everybody's a little more cognizant of like, you know, the, the lifespan of their child. But <laughs> back then it was, it was, it was more like, uh, you know, every man for himself, hope you make it <laughs> and, uh, get out there and figure it out. And so, you know, there's a lot of that going on. And, um, and it was, you know, Laurel was kind of isolated. You know, we were, it was, you know, we were, Hattiesburg was the big city. Mm-hmm. And going to Jackson was like, that was like another world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have, you know, there wasn't, you know, you couldn't just go on Instagram and, and see what was going on all over the world. So it was very much, you know, growing up kind of in this little community and that was your world and that was my world. And uh, so, yeah, I loved it. I loved Laurel and um, had a lot of just great friends. And uh, when I got to high school, I I mean, people don't do this as much as anymore, but all you did on the weekends was cruise. Is cruising still a thing? Not that I know of. Well, the high school was kind of one parking lot, and then there was a burger place called Tammy's at the other end, and there was a road called Bay Springs Road. Mm. 
and it, you would get maybe in a high school parking lot and you might see one friend, you go jump in their car. Mm-hmm. And then you might, you know, get to the Tammy's after a nice 20 minute cruise and you get into another car. And uh, it wasn't, again, it wasn't like there was a lot of maybe uh, 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 less than safe. It wasn't, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot going on. Yeah. And. The deal was if you if you wanted to stop and talk to someone that was like you saw one of your homies, you would you would click your lights on and off, and then they would meet <laughs> you at the park at either parking lot, and you would kind of you know it was kind of like that movie uh, with Parker Posey uh, where that she's do you know what I'm talking about? Can't um, remember. I can't remember the name. Yeah, no, it'll come to me that. at yeah. some point. Uh, but who was from Laurel, by oh, the way, and was right. my neighbor? Did you know her? Oh yeah, we yeah, we grew up age? together. Yeah, my, our parents uh, were best friends. My oh, my funny. dad and her dad, and and I knew her. Yeah, well, That's still great. do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how long were you in Laurel? What till what? Till your whole till I was seventeen. Seventeen, and then I moved to Jackson. Um, when I was 16 years old, I, I, I had a friend that went to Ole Miss that was going to live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And it was so exotic sounding that I told my parents that I wanted to go do the same thing. And they sort of frowned upon it, but I was very persistent. And so they allowed me to go. And I spent the summer in Jackson Hole at 16 living in a tent on the Snake River wow. on BLM land with a bunch of college kids. And I would ride my mountain bike into town and go to work. And then the rest of the day, I'd be hanging out by the river with like, you know, like 70 other college people. And then at the end of the summer, I bought a motorcycle off of a radio show called Trash or Treasure, where <laughs> you would sell your trash and it would be someone else's treasure. Amazing. And so I bought a Yamaha 750 Maxim from a highway patrol officer in Wyoming. Uh-huh. And then I told my parents that I was gonna fly home. And then three days later, I showed up at the Neshoba County Fair <laughs> on my motorcycle with hair uh, to the middle of my back and it had no windshield. So I had been eating flies for 2,000 miles, and then I started my senior year of high school here in Jackson, and uh, yeah, so I've been in Mississippi, that's where I was raised. Yes, you're deep Mississippi, so tell me about music at that time, How was there a record store in Laurel, was there music around, how did you, did you establish your love for music at that time? I had a... Uh, Somehow I wanted to take piano lessons. I think it might have been my parents' idea. And I had a a piano teacher. Her name was Hazel Lewis. She was, I mean, she was an eccentric lady. And she, the things that I remember about her, she had, she had, this is very early on in the days of like tanning lotion. Mm -hmm. And so she was kind of like (laughs) orangish and she had a lot of it on. And so, (laughs) so you would play on your side of the piano Mm -hmm. and she would play on her side and her whole side was stained orange (laughs) on the keys. And that was sort of where I, I, my grandfather was a piano player Mm -hmm. and I learned a little from him and I took from her and then, uh, of course, I got a little older, and I was looking, you know, you're, when you're in the eighth, ninth grade, you're always looking at people that are 16, 17, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on? Well, how am I going to find my way in the world? Who do I, I want to emulate or whatever? And fortunately, there was a, 
great group of guys in Laurel that were really well-versed in music. Mm. And their little brothers were my friends. And so I would spend a lot of time around them. And that was that was my music. I, I grew up listening to a radio station called SL100 in Laurel, and it was mostly just top 40. And you would like spend the night with your friend, and then you would call and win movie passes to the movie theater at the mall and you'd be like caller number eight you know <laughs> you'd sit there all night trying to win these they'd, and you'd call and they'd be like you're caller number four and they'd click and you'd be like you know darn yeah. and, and so that was where I got all of my first music and yeah. then and then I started to like realize like there's so much more going on and there's stuff that's uh, maybe not on the radio right. and I got really into a lot of classic you know, era singer-songwriters like Bruce Springsteen and Neil Young and Jackson Brown and Van Morrison. And then I was really into college rock is what they called it back then, which mm -hmm. would be like indie rock now. Right. And so R.E.M. and The Smiths and The Cure. And I also listened to, you know, some country singer-songwriters mm -hmm. like Willie Nelson and Alan Jackson. So I had kind of an eclectic mix of stuff coming, you know, into my sphere at a pretty young age and was taking it all in. And then out of Hattiesburg, there was a college radio station that you could get in Laurel that played, uh, you know, all the regional music and um, stuff that was a little more, I guess you would call it underground. And so I had I had quite a, uh, a wide array of influences. And then in, at the mall, which was called Sawmill Square Mall, we had the sound shop, and mm. it was very—it was classic. It was—it was—it was a great record store. So you'd go to the mall, and you'd be waiting for a record to come out, and you know that's kind of how it went. That's awesome. Yeah. Where do you remember your first like big concert that you got really excited to to see your live concert? The first concert I ever saw was uh, I had a friend named Ryan Cooper, and his mom drove us down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum to see uh, Poison open for David Lee Roth on the Skyscraper Tour. And I remember being, I was like 13 maybe, and I remember look, we were right up front somehow. And at that time, in, so that would have been in the mid-'80s, it was an interesting uh, first few rows, um, and I, that was where I first started to think, this seems like fun. I, <laughs> I'm sure. I would like to, this is better than than um, getting a, uh, a a degree or or whatever. So I would like to do this, and so that was my first concert. And then the the first concert I ever went to by myself without parental supervision mm. was. Uh, Clint Black, Little Feet, and Jimmy Buffett at the Mobile Stadium. It was wow. outdoors. Yeah. I think that's where it was. I think that's what it was called. But there was an outdoor stadium that I went with some friends when I was 15 um, to see. And uh, that was awesome. Well, that's pretty – and that's full circle a little bit because didn't you get to work with Jimmy Buffett later on? So I played with him later on stage than, Yeah, uh, I mean, before, that's, that's pretty cool. I auditioned for his uh, Broadway musical, or not Broadway, a musical that he, I mean, this is kind of a long story, but let me see. I, a friend of mine knew him and sent him one of my songs, and then he kind of went through my catalog, and he randomly called me and left me a voicemail. 
and said to call him that he had a proposition for me. So I did, and uh, it was to audition to play basically him in his musical Escape to Margaritaville. Mm -hmm. And that led to a whole process of me going to Birmingham and meeting with him and having lunch and then playing with him on stage that night. And then kind of about that point, I thought, I'm going to get this. I'm going to be on in a musical. This is wild. And then I got to New York and auditioned, and there were like 400 guys that looked pretty much just like me. And then I realized that my acting uh, history was limited at best, and I was probably not going to wind up with this part. But I did write a song. In the voicemail that he left, he said to call him on his French phone because he was going to be in Tahiti for a few weeks. <laughs> and I remember being kind of ticked off that I didn't have my own Tahitian phone <laughs> and also thinking that maybe I could get one if I was in his musical. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I did write a song off the record called My Tahitian Phone. But, yeah, <laughs> that, so, yeah, it was full circle. That's, I did. that's totally yeah. full circle. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and what was the first band? Was it a solo band? Did you start your own thing? Were you in a band? How did that? How did you get into the musician life? I started playing in bands in high school mm. with guys that also played instruments, and we had I, I wrote original songs, and we played a lot of covers, and we would play like my, sometimes my like my mom was very entrepreneurial, so she would like go to us to rent out the local VFW. And then, and then we would play, and all the the you know high school and kids would come, and then we'd sell T-shirts. So I was very industrious from an early age, as far as like putting on a show and having people come. Mm -hmm. And then she would hire this policeman to make sure that like it was uh, okay. And then she would sit in her station wagon in the parking lot, and if anybody drank too much, she would drive them home in her station wagon. That's amazing. Yeah, and so those are my, and then it's like playing pool parties and, you know, uh, uh, crawfish boils and stuff like that in high school. And then I had a high school band, and then once I got to college, uh, it was like around the time of, you know, the Dave Matthews band, or mm -hmm. people would name, like, just their their name as the band, and I was mm -hmm. like, well, let's make it the Charlie Mars band. And that's that was that's kind of how it was, yeah, Charlie Mars band. That's so, awesome. yeah, I wasn't very original, but whatever. Well, <laughs> worked out. Yeah. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m., for access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the past executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I have Charlie Mars here in the studio with me today in Jackson, Mississippi. 
Thanks for being here, Charlie. Nice to be back, yeah. So before the break, we were talking about your high school band, and then you uh, were about to start talking about your SMU college experience. So were you playing music in college at SMU? Did you study music? I studied, no, I did not study music. I was an English major, mm. and then uh, I didn't really know anyone at the college um, except their... Uh, because I played music, I sort of somehow wound up meeting this guy named Jack Ingram, and he was just starting out as a like a Texas country singer songwriter, mm-hmm. and I fell in with him playing some and singing harmonies with him, and we'd go to Austin and play a frat party or whatever, and he made a record called uh, Beat Up Ford. And I had never really thought about making my own album and, you know, knowing how to uh, just the whole process, being in the studio, selling records, making your own music. And he kind of was the inspiration to go and do try to do my I had my own songs. Mm -hmm. So I and he's Jack. I mean, he's he's written a, a lot of. He wrote Miranda Lambert's song Tin Man. Oh, cool! And he's just if, if he's 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 gone on to have a really interesting career in life. And we met each other when we were just kids. But that was how I got started. And then every Wednesday night, I would play uh, with my band at a club um, close to the campus, and it became like the thing to do because it was Wednesday night and the guy that plays that goes to our school is playing there and everybody started going and that was kind of where I really got my feet on the ground. And then by my scene, the, the record that I made was called Broken Arrow mm-hmm. and it did surprisingly well and I didn't, you know, you never know, but it did. It kind of caught on at a bunch of colleges in the southeast and so during the week I would be in school and then usually uh, Friday morning early I would roll out and go to Oxford or Starkville or Baton Rouge or Auburn. I mean, you would be surprised how far we could get in a weekend and then be back for class on Monday. And that became uh, my life. And, and then it was it was a blast. That's really cool. Yeah. Have you ever had a job or have you always been able to sing or songwrite? Play. I was a towel boy at the at the courthouse here, and I got fired <laughs> um, because I went to a widespread panic concert in Atlanta, and I drank too much, and I woke up late at my friend's house and didn't get back for my shift, uh, and it was like the third or fourth time that I had missed, <laughs> and I remember the manager's name was Wayne, uh, well. and he fired me, and so I got fired from the courthouse as a towel boy, <laughs> and then... <laughs> Uh, I lived in Jackson Hole a second summer, mm-hmm. and I worked at a place called Jedediah's House of Pancakes. Nice. And the owner was always making fun of my accent. He was, I mean, we just didn't hit it off. Right. And then towards the end of the summer, he came in and was just sort of railing on me. And let's just say I said some things that like kind of like forced his hand on firing me also. <laughs> so he did. And then uh, I remember think I remember telling him, "Oh, I'm fired. It's like late August. I'm going back to college. Like, okay, right." And then I think that was the last job I ever had, other, th- other than being a song a touring songwriter. So, a, a towel boy and a failed uh, prep cook. Well, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did a lot of stuff. That's like, a good life. You know, I did a lot of stuff before that. Sure. I mean, not a lot. Yeah. I was. I worked. Yeah. But I did things. Well, I was remembering this morning that um, I think I met you first 
when I was working at a little place in Oxford, Mississippi for Ron Shapiro called The Main Squeeze. Mm-hmm. And I was working at that little juice bar. That, re- it was behind the Pizza Hut. Do you remember that? That little spot? Oh, yeah. Of course yeah. I remember it. Yeah. yeah. I, one of my one of my like vivid Oxford memories is one day I, there was a gym right next to it. Uh-huh, that's so right. I was in the gym and I was looking out the window and Barry Hanna was sitting <laughs> on a, a like a, a chair swing and he had uh, an oxygen tank uh-huh. and he was smoking a cigarette and he had a smoothie. <laughs> and I thought, boy, he's really, you know, he's getting healthy over there <laughs> drinking his smoothie. <laughs> Uh, uh, so yeah, I definitely remember that place. That was you got quite a uh, you got quite a cultural experience working there for Ronzo. I did. Yeah, yeah, I miss him. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it was it was a I really got to know Oxford as a student working there and not just the University of Mississippi. So I appreciated that. You went right into the into the, the heart into, of it. Yeah, you did for sure. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, <laughs> um, so. So you were in Oxford for a while. You lived there for a while. Did you live anywhere permanently between um, college or did you have you always Athens, been? Georgia. Athens, Georgia. Yeah, when I left Dallas, I went to Athens, Georgia for about three years and we toured. The, we were doing 120 shows a year. So I wasn't there that much. And I had a band um, that was kind of set group of guys. And one guy was from Jackson named Matt Ulmer, great guitar player. Hmm. And uh then i kind of crashed and I, I was i mean all we did was just you know play for hotel money and pizza and free drinks sure. and we did that for years and then you know i just sort of ran out of steam like i needed to regroup i kind of i don't know i don't want to get into it but I, I couldn't keep it up uh this uh, just the partying part of it sure yeah, the grind and so and then my brother was in school at Ole Miss and I kind of had wound up back in Jackson for a minute just kind of going what am I going to do next and I went and visited my brother in Oxford and he I had a great weekend I just loved being there at the time it was like I would say Oxford's a college town now at the time it was more like a town with a with a college adjacent to That's it right. mm-hmm. and um uh, I found an apartment on the town square, and I remember the rent was four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Amazing! And I thought, you know, maybe I'll just take a year here and and hang out and kind of regroup and and figure out what's next. And that was, oh, that was like twenty years ago. And I, 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 I mean, I still, I still have a place in Oxford, but I mostly spend my time um, out in the country in Yellowbusha County now. So yeah. Oxford, yeah. What do you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) You know it all. (laughs) I don't know it all, but I mean, I had a lot of life there. Yeah, it's 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 been it's a wonderful mix of there's things to do, there's culture, there's a lot of uh, eclectic people, and Mm -hmm. it's fun. It's small enough to where you kind of know everybody. Um, it's peaceful in the summer times, especially, yeah. and it's beautiful in North Mississippi. It's rolling hills, and uh, it has a special energy up there. I mean, you know, we all know if you go visit, you're kind of like, oh, this is this is something. It's pleasant. Yeah, Very, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so, tell us a little bit more about uh, some some of your favorite, some highlights from your career, tours, or people that you've gotten to work with. Because I know you've just really been all over the world at this point. 
Um, yeah. Well, let's see. In high school, my favorite band was REM. Mm-hmm. And then in 2004, I got uh, to open for them on one of their last North, North American tours. That's amazing. And I got to sing. I got to play on stage with them every night. Wow. And, um, you know, when you're a kid and, you know, next, you know, you're many years later, you're on stage in some like stadiums. And, you know, that was that. I mean, what can you say? That was that was pretty sweet. Yeah. And then um, I've toured with a lot of I played with Chris Christopherson and sung on stage with Willie Nelson and Steve Earle That's and, cool. and toured with Tedeschi Trucks and. I mean, I could list off all the stuff, but let me, let me, I mean, some specifics. I played once with Lisa Marie Presley wow. at the House of Blues in New Orleans, and I remember just sitting next to her on a couch and how much she looked like Elvis, you know? Or um, um, I have some stories that I can't tell you on Mississippi <laughs> Public Broadcasting, so that leaves me, it's sort of, it's sort of, has, uh, I don't know what to say, but... Um, I did twenty twenty something shows with Steve Earle on a bus with him one time, wow. and that was really unique. Uh, there was a girl named Katie Tunstall that uh, put out a record called "Black Horse in the Cherry Tree" back in the day, and I was on tour with her in England and in Wales, wow. and when we were just playing little clubs like 150 people, mm-hmm. and then she did, she went on a TV show. And it became like a like a career changing performance. And so, two weeks later, we were playing to three or four thousand people a night. And so, I got to be kind of in in the center of someone going from being a just a you know small time touring artist to a global artist. Yeah, I've had I've seen a lot of I've done a lot of it's been quite a run do you um do you have a preference for small playing to a smaller audience or a large like massive audience i toured at the, they were called the dixie chicks at the time they're just called the chicks now mm-hmm. um but i toured with them on a big tour opening for them in canada and we mm-hmm. did like 20 shows wow and I, I don't know if you've ever seen a comedian in a room when they're like, there's like 50 people and they're really funny and mm-hmm. everybody laughs mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that was that's it. You can do the same thing to 50,000 people. As long as they're paying attention, it's really no different. Mm, and, and I realized that on that tour because I, I was a solo acoustic opener. Wow. And But in Canada, it's not like in America where they show up and everybody's... In America, everybody, no one cares about the opening act. They're mm-hmm. all finding their seats, drinking beer. But in Canada, they're there. They're in their seats, and they're quiet. Mm. And the lights are so bright that I, all I could see was the lights. Mm-hmm. And when I went out, I saw the, there's 50,000 people in the stadium. But then I just see these lights. And so I, I tell mm-hmm. a lot of stories. And I would start talking, and all of a sudden, the whole room would ripple with laughter in the same way that it would be if it was 50 people. Right. And so do I have a preference I like playing in stadiums, mm-hmm. if I had to say my preference, yeah, but I spend most of my time, you know, more of a, like a working man songwriter and playing, you know, whatever comes my way, smaller rooms, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Um, so tell us a little bit uh, at this next break, our listeners are going to hear the song, Times Have Changed. Do you tell us a little bit about that song? I wrote that song in uh, Nashville with a songwriter named Tyler Reeve. Uh, uh, and basically he, we, we, we both kind of grew up in a similar way 
and we were looking around at us, at, at our world, and we were we were talking a little bit about you know there were certain values and a way of growing up that seemed to be getting lost in the mix, and uh, that uh, that we were saddened by it, and that that's what we wrote a song about. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the past executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I'm in the studio today in Jackson with Charlie Mars. And so we have been talking about Charlie's new album called Times Have Changed, which will be released on October 6th. And Charlie will be here in Jackson, Mississippi, playing at Dueling Hall on October 12th. So, Charlie, we just uh, got to hear the song times have changed so tell us a little bit more about this album how how this album came about how long have you been working on it uh well i had a collection of songs and what had been going on in my life was uh you know i spent most of my life traveling and seeing different places and experiencing a lot of things and i feel like you know upon reflection that it was kind of a prodigal journey that i had to kind of go and you know, see what all was out there to figure out that where I had come from was what I actually was most drawn to to begin with. Mm-hmm. And there were uh, values and ways of life and uh, a culture that my grandparents particularly had uh, attempted to, you know, uh, pass on to me and I was a very rebellious kid and uh, didn't listen and to, to their wisdom and decided to uh, do things my way <laughs> and that had its fruits there were fruits of that but um, I also think that you know, I had to learn a, hard, a lot of hard lessons, and so uh, what I decided to do was um, move out into the country and simplify my life, and I gave my television away to a friend of mine when we were on the couch together one day, and I have not looked at a television since. Mm. How and, many years has that been? Mm, about five years, mm. and I uh, learned how to grow my own f- I mean, I don't grow all my own food, but I learned how to grow vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I have to take care of a lot of land. And I'm around a lot of people that, you know, normally I just wasn't associated with a lot of, like, rural country people. And now I am. And 
I don't know what the deal is, but I'm closer to a lot of them and know them better than when I lived five feet away from somebody Mm -hmm. for years. There's something about the nature of like living in a, a, where you just have a limited amount of people around you and you kind of depend on each other. Mm -hmm. And I think all of this was in an effort to kind of uh, return to an energy my grandparents were cattle farmers in Neshoba County, and my my grandfather and and all of his family and my dad's family were all from uh, Philadelphia, which is in Neshoba County, but they were from town. And I wanted to just get close to uh, an, an energy and a spirit that I felt like was coming from them that I had maybe... Mm, like I said, rebelled against, and some of it was a mistake. That's really neat. So uh, how long have you been working on these songs for the album? Oh, I mean, uh, probably four or five years. Yeah, wow. Some of them were written recently. Some of them Mm -hmm. I had kind of sat on and just felt like when the time was right for this, so kind of all over the place. But... um, one, two of the songs on the record, one, Country Home, which you heard, mm-hmm. and Silver Dollar, I wrote, uh, and this will just give you a glimpse into, uh, so I live in Yalabusha County in North Mississippi, about uh, 10 miles outside of Water Valley, and I was walk. I have a 140-pound cane corso mastiff, and I was walking him on this gravel county road that I live by, and two dogs uh, got into a dog fight with mm-hmm. him. And it got real crazy. And then I have a neighbor who's like a kind of a biker, Viking-type guy. And he they were his dogs. And he got in the middle of it with me trying to break these dogs up. And at the end of it, he, he had his dogs by the collar. And it had gotten pretty crazy. And he looked at me and he said, your dog will heal. And he walked off. <laughs> and so then I was walking back up the road and and this guy, another neighbor of mine named Brock, was in, in his. Uh, he has a, he like a, he works as a, like a repairman. And he had a, his name tag on like a blue and white striped shirt, but he was in the bushes with a crossbow. <laughs> and I and I saw him crouched in the bushes, and I said Brock, and he stood up and he goes, Yeah. And I said, What what are you doing? And he said, Man, I heard an echo in my holler, and I just wanted to be ready. <laughs> and. I said, well, that was the dog fight that you heard. Everything's cool. And he said, all right, all right, then. I just wanted to be ready. And then then I went back up to the house and kind of nursed my dog and got him in his crate to chill out. And I wrote this, the phrase echo in in the holler Mm -hmm. that had made him afraid. It was inspiration for the song Silver Dollar. And it says... um, when you hear those dogs in the distance, I'm your man in the tower. When you make a wish, I'll be your well. You can tell me those dark secrets you can't tell. If there's a fire in the pines and an echo in the holler, you got lucky, babe, because I'm your silver dollar. <laughs> and it came from that line from Brock saying, I heard an echo in my holler. And then I thought I was very proud of myself, so I went to the, I, was, I had a new song. It mm-hmm. always makes you feel good. And I went to the feed store, Valley Feed, and I talked to this man who's in his 80s named Mr. Bowles. And I was lamenting about the poor quality of my grass. 
And he said, I needed triple 13 fertilizer. I'd never heard triple 13. Mm -hmm. And then I got home and I put the fertilizer on my grass and I went inside and I wrote, wrote, wrote the song Country Home on the piano. And it has the phrase triple 13 in it. <laughs> and so there's just a, that's just, you know, I've lived all over and I've been around a lot of people and I've never been in a more interesting environment than the one that I'm currently living in. So that's there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, tell us about, like, how do you start on deciding that there will be an album? Do you focus on particular songs and then create the album from it, or do you have a theme for the album? And, like, what, what is your pro – do you have a certain process? Um, you know, generally I like to have a batch of songs that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. So if that takes a year or three years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then the theme of it all is usually just my life and, and little glimpses of my life that I just pull from. And then I don't usually know exactly what it is until uh, after it's done and I look at it and I go like, oh, this is about this. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes much later, uh, other things become clear. And I mean, I've just been kind of making it up the whole time. If I told you that I knew what I was doing, I would be lying. <laughs> I can't believe that I've even made it this far. And I do think that I know when a song stinks. Um, I thought some of my songs were a lot better than they ended up being. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love writing songs. And I've always loved uh, like lit literature, poetry, language, when something conveys an emotion truthfully without... Uh, you know, cliche, and mm -hmm. it brings something uh, magical to something that's uh, ultimately invisible. Uh, I always liked that. It seems it's like been a, it's a magical process, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing, and <laughs> I am really glad that I don't have to work at the courthouse anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's about it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's working out well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. some of your songs definitely have a lot of humor in them. Like I was recently got to hear you in Austin, Texas at the Saxon Pub, mm -hmm. and you played Fat Dad. Yeah. You know, tell us about that song. Fat Dad. I I was living in uh, not living. I was staying at a house that like a, a guy I know owns on Highway 30A. It's like a gazillion dollar house. And I was writing songs. I just made the cliche, like the. I, I was. That's what I told people air I was quote, doing. Air quoting. I, yeah, but I was mostly just hanging out. And mm -hmm. I was at this coffee shop, and there was a man in a pristine white Range Rover at the stop sign, and he had on a large linen shirt covering an incredibly portly torso. <laughs> and he had a wife in the passenger seat that looked like you know, she might work at like the Lululemon or mm -hmm. something. And he had these two daughters in the back and they were attractive and well-dressed and they had on mirrored aviator sunglasses. So I couldn't really tell what they were doing. And when he pulled off, he like his sunglasses lowered, and he made a sign like he was like 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 a like a pistol finger at me, <laughs> and then he smiled very you know like a Cheshire cat. And then I was sort of like I did the same thing. I kind of made the same sign to him, <laughs> and then my spirits were sort of lifted, and I laughed as he rolled on off. And I I kind of had known just like some like there was something about his energy just like reminded me of like a bunch of different people. And I decided I was going to write a song about him when I got home. And then I did, and it's called Fat Dad. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. That's great. But he's like the boss. He's like the, <laughs> the kingpin. Like the, he's like the, the country, country godfather. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit about how this tour is shaping up. What are you excited about? You, it's it's a pretty big tour, right? Yeah, I mean we're adding shows all the time, That's and great. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's nice to have something new out. It's been a minute, and. Oh, you know, you live out in the country. It's nice to get out for a little bit and see some other towns. And and I'm really proud of this, of this, just this music. You know, I worked really hard for a long time on it, and it's fun that it's kind of done. And it's fun to get to go out and see how people react to it and play for people and kind of go to some places you've been and places you haven't been. And, and uh, you know, in many ways, it's not that much different from a lot of the things but I feel like there's a new spirit in what I'm doing and you know there's always the hope that like uh, maybe it becomes you know something that catches on and you get to I get you know things will grow and I'll play some bigger places and um, so yeah I'm just but at the end of the day I'm very grateful to get to do what I get to do mm-hmm. and I'm I'm thankful that I made it this far and that I get to get, get hopefully to go do it again for a while, and uh, and I have my dreams, but most of my dreams have been realized. Mm, that's and great. So my my real what I really enjoy is just con- being able to write another good song, and have it feel like it's good, mm-hmm. and not have to again you know work at the pancake house. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. I just wasn't very good at it. Right. It's, yeah. It's I'm not, not a good sh- employee. Not your strengths. I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, how is um, creating this album and tour, uh, how is it different than other times that you've gone through this process? Is it is it a whole different process after the pandemic uh, with the music industry changing so much over the last 20 years? Uh, well, I, I made it in Nashville. That's a first. Mm-hmm. Most of my records are made in Texas, and uh, and the music industry, you know, it shifted from physical product where you sell a record or a CD or whatever to digital. Mm-hmm. And I like it because, you know, you can make a little video and then like a million people can see it, mm-hmm. and you you that was never the case before. Or, or, or I remember in the. In the 90s, my mom would call around to the record stores, and if they were sold out, we'd send them, and we had to get paid from them. And mm-hmm. It was all, it was kind of a, it was a pretty big pain. Right. Now you just, you know, they stream it. You get it, you get streams. It creates some money if you're lucky, and you get it, and it's, it's, it's a way more efficient process. And so, you know, everything's changed. In some ways, things are still the same. I mean, I'm kind of a live person and I like actual things I can hold and touch and mm-hmm. all that but the digital world kind of translates into real life where if somebody likes something online they'll come and buy a ticket and come see your show and you know in a in a in a, I mean you know there's there's things that aren't so good about it but like one guy uh, put on my video of my new song the other day that it was like a wimpy John Denver song <laughs> And and one guy s- said in my video, uh, "Couldn't you afford a new shirt?" <laughs> or like people are always making these comments, you know, like or like uh, so, this. It's a kind of a country song. He's like, "I guess country's not for everybody," 
And so there's the whole like putting yourself out there and like right. anybody with a keyboard can be like, you stink. Yeah. And you know, there might be a hundred comments, but there's something about the psyche that's like that one guy, I'm going <laughs> to track him down and strangle him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's all, it's a wild, it's the wild west. But it, it means that they're paying attention to you. So that's a positive. And that's what they say, right? <laughs> is it any press is good press? <laughs> yeah. Um. That's pretty funny. So um, you're going to be playing in Jackson. Mm -hmm. Have you played at Dueling Hall before? Yes. Love it. That place is cool. Mm -hmm. I've been playing in Jackson since I was a kid. And I've had a lot of great shows in Jackson. So if you're out there in the the radio sphere and you want to get up and come see a show, I'm your guy. Yes, and that will be... October 12th. October 12th in Jackson. Yeah. Uh, So are are there any other uh, tour spots that you're excited to return to on this tour? Uh, I haven't been up to the Northeast in a while, so I'm I'm going to New York City, and I have a great audience in Maryland, Mm -hmm. and Minneapolis, I have a great audience. So a lot of these places I haven't been to since everything shut down. Mm -hmm. A lot of my touring has just been kind of weekend, regional, until I got a new record out, so... I'm kind of excited to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm going to South Florida, St. Augustine. And nice. I love playing Atlanta and Austin. And uh, I basically, what am I? I'm not saying anything because I like going everywhere. That's great. Yeah. Do you drive? Do you fly? Do you take your time? Do you hurry? I'll fly if I have to, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like flying. Mm-hmm. I like flying fine. I just don't like. I don't like having to take all my clothes off and mm-hmm. go through the thing and then having them touch me. Yeah, that's weird. And I don't like sitting there in the place, especially in between flights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like to drive. Yeah, but if I have to fly, I will. Yeah, but it's gotten. It used to be so easy. Mm-hmm. You just go get on the plane, That's and right. now it's like, it's like you're going into like a national security check just to get on like a, a flight to wherever. That's right. It's yeah. production. Yeah, it's yeah. production. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.